Great day, amazing humans. Yes, welcome to Empowered in My Skin, the podcast. My name is Nkechiwa Walker Robinson, and I am founder and CEO of Empowered in My Skin, an experienced technology executive of one of Canada's largest financial institutions, an author, an international federation of bodybuilding pro athlete, an inspirational speaker, and a viral sensation as my You Matter speech has hit over 6.5 million views worldwide. This show is all about thriving. And I will be bringing on some amazing humans that own their thrive to help you figure out how you too can own yours. So please leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to this on and make sure to join along on the web at empoweredmyskin.com so you can be notified when new episodes are available. For now, I'm your girl. Let the show begin. Great day, amazing humans. I'm back with a new episode. And today I am joined by a leadership coach who is somebody that can enable any professional or team to achieve their career aspirations through personal development, planning, and coaching. She believes that every career could benefit from mentorship. She sees the opportunity in anyone who is stuck or does not know the right actions to propel them towards their next success. She specializes in emotional intelligence practices and tools to support a stronger emotional quotient in the workspace. Additionally, she is known for helping professionals, teams, and newcomers with all aspects of business negotiation, personal branding, networking, and business culture. And it's not only a vocation, it is her passion. So put your ears together for the amazing Erin Leslie. (laughs) Wow. Thank you so much. That's an amazing introduction. (laughs) I'm honored and humbled to be a part of this podcast. Thank you so much. I I absolutely love it. So thank you. Thank you very much for agreeing to be a guest. And I'm very excited, as I say, to share energy with you for the next 35, 40 minutes. So let's get going. First is we got to introduce you to the world. So what can you tell us about the person, the brand, since you do personal branding, that is Erin Leslie? Yeah. Um, right off the bat, um, my God-given talent is to help people. And so, you know, my focus and energy and intention is really about helping one person every day. That's my mantra when I wake up in the morning. How can I help one person? And so stepping out onto the sidewalk, it's not about my trials and tribulations. It's really about seeking out that one person that I can help. Um, and so when you focus your energy into supporting other people get to their next version of success. Um, Your day is like an amazing journey and you don't know what's going to happen. And it's not prescribed by emotional, you know, distress or, or success or whatever. It's just like, it's, it's a blank slate. Mm -hmm. Um, So I really am impassioned by, by starting my day that way. And oftentimes I help more than one person, but I, I keep my, myself humble and Mm -hmm. say, I'm going to help one and let's see how the day goes. So, um, so I'm curious, I just have to ask you, so what does that look like to you? Is it something where, you know, I, you know, you have, um, you, you set the intention at the beginning of the day, like put somebody on my path or, okay, mm-hmm. tell us. So uh, how it works uh, for me is, is just having that, it's a meditation. It's, it's reminding myself that in the space, in the body and in, in the life that I breathe, um, that I have a mission and it's to help someone. So mm. it could be, you know, the clients that I work with every day in my in my job, in my coaching. Um, it could be the mentees and the newcomers that I help find new jobs in Canada. Um, or it could be the person I haven't met yet. 
Mm-hmm. And so I think it's a reminder as well to be open to the people you meet, whether you walk into the corner store or you go to get gas. It's like, you don't know who you're going to meet, but they might have something really important to share with you. Yeah. Um, and so that's really, it, it, it keeps me in a, in a mindset where I'm always learning from other people and I'm always looking to connect so that I can extend to them my expertise as well. And so what else about you? Uh, social butterfly 101. Like (laughs) (laughs) I, I often say I'm going to stay grounded today. I'm going to do me time. I am not going to focus on a million things. And then someone calls and says, do you want to get together? Um, I have something I want to talk with you about and just see you and I'm off I go. So I cannot stay in one place. I'm constantly, you know, jumping and meeting people for various reasons. And I think that's what keeps me sane is, Mm -hmm. you know, just being in a social vibe, whether I'm working or not working, it never Mm -hmm. feels like work. And that's, that's something that I'm very thankful for is just to always be, you know, vibing with people and and Mm -hmm. connecting. I love that. It sounds like you get to do that 24 by seven every single day, which is wonderful. So I love affirmations. I'm a big, I am junkie. What would be your great? I am. I am a guiding light. Ooh. I love that. You don't even need to say anything else. I believe you are. And so, you know, uh, stealing from my Angelo, she says, our legacy is in every experience and that we have. So what would you love your legacy or at least to leave the listeners with by the end of this podcast? Um, The legacy that um, oftentimes I met with people who everybody feels like I can't move forward. And um, the first thing I tell them is once you release your voice to someone of what your hurt is, is the moment you can step forward. So my legacy to everyone I meet is to empower them with the ability to make that one step forward because that one step forward is going to open up to so much change. So it, I'm going to repeat that. So once you release your voice to whatever pain it is that you're feeling, that is your, that is your step forward. Exactly. Wow. That's beautiful. And I truly believe that, right? It's about giving yourself permission to be that vulnerable and to share, because I think once you release it, what will come back at you will never will not be anything you imagined. You know? Shame to shame is something that my best friend, um, I think she probably should have incorporated and, Sorry, what is it? What is that thing? Yeah, patent, patent, patent that. Yeah, patent that. So, what have you been a social butterfly? <laughs> <laughs> and having to been in quarantine, oh. and still some essence of quarantine is still afoot, um, and we're not quite back yet open, and and the future is so unforeseen. How is that impacting you, um, based on the fact that you shared, you know, the fact that you're big on connecting and going out and hook it up with people. Well, funny you should ask that because actually my experience with um, COVID-19 and quarantine has been way different from everyone else. I've had to go to work every day. Oh. So I haven't experienced the remote work. Um, Mm. The moment quarantine started and lockdown really started in Toronto, um, the city requested certain individuals to support essential frontline work. So I went immediately and worked in a shelter for Mm. four months. Um, So I basically um, supported the homeless through COVID in social distancing practices, um, offered mental service supports, food supports, um, safety supports. 
um, and de-escalated violence in shelters. Wow, that makes so, so much sense. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, you know, my, my everyday walking to work, because I didn't want to take the subway. Um, so I extended my days by walking to work instead of getting there fast. Um, I turned to nature. I started to really appreciate the, the nature around me, my urban space, my different neighborhoods that I normally wouldn't see because I'd be underground all the time getting to and from. Um, and I appreciated the ground level in which I worked on in public sector um, and really being face to face with people who strive and struggle every day in different ways and, and just being um, a friend to them and, and a source of guidance and support. So so having been on the front line like that, was there anything, you know, and, and the fact that you're just so close to, you know, human nature and, and I think you're, you're like an empath, right? And so was there anything that surprised you with how humans were responding? Um, for the ones that I connected with, um, I just saw a lot of um, care, a lot of support, um, you know, working with people who say, I have your back and so do I, mm-hmm. um, and just watching out for one another. I think people became more vigilant for their community, mm-hmm. um, no matter where they are, mm-hmm. and started to really recognize how can I help the person who lives next to me if they can't go out and get groceries or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I saw a, a bigger sense of community through this. Yeah. I think that's a beautiful, that's, and that is still happening, which is a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yes. And we can't lose that. No, we can't. I, that is one thing that I would say, you know, to be quite honest between you and me, the way that we treated frontline workers is the one thing that I said, because we've been idolizing the wrong, I mean, everyone deserves to be like um, rewarded and appreciated, but we've been idolizing the wrong type of people. Mm-hmm. It's those people that are out there every single day, risking their lives, you know, doing stuff for the betterment of big communities, just to be able to thrive and to function. And I just, I hope that continues, but already you can see the shift is already <laughs> happening, right? Unfortunately. Absolutely. So in, in as part of your intro, you did talk about, or got a sense of what inspires you and, um, but if you can even just elaborate more and maybe perhaps how you got into this work that's bringing out your best self. So the question is, you know, what inspires you to uh, be your best, to bring out your best self? I think we all live from our experiences. And, and you know, if I, I say this, and I think everyone could say this, is if I knew what I know now in my 20s, I'd be <laughs> hell on fire. Oh my God, I'd be... <laughs> I, I I would like, oh my gosh, <laughs> they would have to create another world for me. But anyway, just go on. <laughs> so, you know, that being said, and that's, you know, that comes from a, a, a place of, you know, confidence that I didn't have in my 20s, mm-hmm. you know, and so to be able to be here, we live from our experiences and be able to give back to people through not only our knowledge uh, learned, our technical knowledge, but our emotional knowledge and our, all the things that, that have compassed us to where we are today. Um, so that really packaging that into something that I can give back to people, um, was the birth of EQ footprints, my company. Um, and really it was based on leadership coaching, uh, from a professional standpoint, but also from a personal standpoint, like branding, isn't just for people in famous situations. Branding is about how you enter a room, how you strike a conversation with people, how you leave a mark on them. Um, you know, branding just doesn't just get your foot in the door of a job, but it, it gets you in the door of people you want to meet on the street. 
you know, or you just want to interact with or have a better, stronger conversation and, mm-hmm. and relationship with. So um, EQ Footprints is really about me being able to extend my experiences and my toolkit to my clients um, and be able to give them uh, a greater, faster way to connect with who they are through mm-hmm. emotional intelligence awareness mm-hmm. um, and, and, and being able to have that dialogue for them to get to a point where they're like, oh, this is what I need to do. Mm-hmm. And then just go. And just yeah. And that's the gift that they give back to me is when they're when they take off and I see them fly and I'm just like, oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I, miss, I know the listeners can't see. I'm just like, it's almost like I can vision. Bye bye. Yes. So yeah. I love that. I there is you know it's it's uh, it's interesting that you say that because one of the my favorite topics to talk about in the world is eagles. And lions, right? So leadership animals. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it's just, again, when I think about eagles, and even when I talk about them, it's, the, it's exactly what you just gave me. It's that feeling of soaring. Like, nothing can stop me, you know, yeah. that I can open up my wings with a mm-hmm. wide wingspan, and I have the, the freedom to be who I am, right? Like, that's a beautiful, it's a beautiful feeling. Wish and everyone can be there. Exactly. And it's a gift. And I've seen it when you extend yourself to your, to your audiences, Nikichi, and your, what you do. It's like you give a piece of yourself. You leave it on the ground. And, and, and everyone picks it up and they relish it. And that moment is, is everlasting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really my purpose to provide skills, uh, tools to individuals so that they have those everlasting tools mm-hmm. that they can face any situation with. So to be able to do that, you yourself have to be probably have been very uber aware of your own emotional intelligence. So I always tell people that don't think that this is just something you wake up every single day and you can't be doing the work and it just magically happens. But I want to know, like, how do you protect it? Like, what are your non-negotiables or your, or your boundaries that sort of protect that essence of your human? Mm. Um. I believe, first of all, I know where my burnout zone is mm-hmm. and I don't, I don't breach it because self-care is so important. If I'm going to be successful, I need to keep this in check. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, the burnout zone is when you're extending yourself to too many conversations, too many people, um, especially during COVID, I could only have one conversation a day because I was conversing with so many people in need at work. When I came home, I didn't have anything left. So being able to understand where your burnout zone is um, and that even a five minute conversation can overextend you Um, being in the quiet um, and meditating and really recognizing that the world is not full of devices all the time that you can shut off and shut down and it's okay. Um, (laughs) And, and also um, I have a super radar for narcissists and um, you know, it's whether it's a social zone or other zones I need to put a really big boundary between me and those type of personalities because they will crush me if I let mm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think that's unique, but you know, there is kryptonite out there. Um, and so I have to be mindful of the kryptonite and, and someone like me who's an empath and takes so much in, um, you know, there's certain personalities that I just need to manage differently than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why a lot of people that come to me have difficulties with assertiveness and understanding how to be assertive and create those boundaries and respect them and not feel bad about putting them up is so important. 
do you have great tools for handling narcissists other than running away from them like fast? <laughs> <laughs> like start the car, start the car. It's like the the fight or flight kicks in. <laughs> I swear to God. And yeah, running away sounds like a good idea, but uh, <laughs> not all. Is, but some of them you need to work with, right? So if you got into us, let me know. I would love to, would love to get some <laughs> yeah. coaching. And so what, um, what is an area of life where you have improved or inspired growth in others? I'm sure you have plenty. Girl, we have 40 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Just give me a mic drop one, man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this is something that I've really started to cultivate in my, in my business and my teachings and my offerings. Um, I've mastered the pivot Hmm. and, and really that means that when something comes up and challenges you that would normally paralyze you, Mm -hmm. you have 24 hours to make a next step move. And it's not a next step move that is going to put you in harm's way or it's ill-advised or it's not thought out but you have an instinctual vision. And usually that instinctual vision is the thing that you're most afraid to execute. So in a situation when you're faced with a really difficult uh, decision and you say, oh, I'd really like to do A, but the reality is I can't afford A, so I'm probably gonna end up doing B. You need to go to A. That's where your intuition is leading you, but your self-talk is telling you, hell no, don't go to A. So what I really um, relish about what I've experienced and learned through myself is mastering the pivot is about being prepared for anything, visualizing worst case scenarios, not in a way of being pessimistic, but being prepared. Because when those things come up and hit you, the pivot is where the power is. Mm. You decide in a short amount of time, are you going to sit in this and let it eat at you and affect you? Or are you going to master it and move on? That's a hashtag. That's a t-shirt. That's like a freaking emblem. That's a tattoo. Master the pivot. I'm, like I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh my God, hey, that's it. That's like that, that to me feels like a magic nugget that I just learned today. So thank you. I'm, I'm a student of this experience always. And wow, that I'm going to have to go back and listen to just that part of the, yeah. the interview. That's big. Master the pivot of 24 hours. And I, I have to say, I miss public speaking as I'm sure you do because. No, I'm speaking all the time. But no, but like in-person public speaking when we had audiences and it's almost like you could reach out and touch, you know, and and you know what it is? Reactions and. Ah, I don't know. (laughs) I started speaking. So here's my thing. My foray into public speaking Really and truly, like if I go back and I think I heard you on a podcast say that, like when you go back and really deconstruct, you find and you find out where you can. I began on Facebook when Facebook first launched with the ability to host videos. I would record them on my phone and I would upload them. And they were usually two, three minutes just sharing an experience. And I was, I was like people's, like I was talking to I probably only had four viewers, but I felt like I was talking to like, to all the humans out there, you know, there's 7.5 humans in the world, and, you know, and so I have, I, I recognize I started virtual, you know, and I, and if anything, I feel this virtual game is expanding my past, my capability and ability to take the stage. Like, I can't okay. wait to take the stage because then oh, it doesn't yeah. matter if anyone's in the room, No, you know? 
<laughs> yeah. No, I get that. I get that. And you don't know this, but it's your um, physicality in the gym at 5 a.m. putting those videos on LinkedIn that got me to get up at 5 a.m. Yeah! I love it. Yes. And it's I possible, work, right? I used to work out after work and I was so dog tired. And then I see you on LinkedIn sweating it out at 5 a.m. I'm like, all right, if she can do it, I can do it. <laughs> right? Thank you. I'm so happy there's like one human that tried it out. I, I hope there's more. But even if it's just you, one and done, I love it. Thank well, you. Your whole day is ahead of you and you don't got to worry about the gym anymore. It's right. like, hey, perfect. And it feels good. Yeah. And, I, and, and Robin Sharma, if you follow him at all, talks about, you know, just taking your body into a peak steak early in the morning and what that really does. So, oh, yeah. so emotional intelligence, EQ, your, your wheelhouse, tell us something. What is a common myth about EQ and can you debunk it? Mm, a common myth about EQ. I don't think I've ever been asked this question. <laughs> That's what I, I do. Think, <laughs> I think um, intuitively society still has created um, I won't say gender because I think it's on both sides of the wheelhouse. I think society still makes us feel that empathy is an Achilles heel mm. um, and that we, we um, translate strength into being um, assertive and, and, and sort of cold and, and that, you know, not displaying empathy uh, or emotions that show what is it that you feel for the situation um, is a strong point. And I just think that's completely inaccurate. I think, uh, especially what we're seeing today across North America and the United States, uh, and a resolution to support and, and be together and come together and, and fight um, for a number of fronts um, and show the empathy and show the emotional impact that that has placed on a human being is so powerful. It's information that's important to mm -hmm. release. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think for me, uh, that's probably one of the myths that it needs to be debunked and, and societal changes still need to be enhanced in that space. For sure. Yeah. And so I actually, you know, when you, when I asked you that I was, and you kind of looked over, you went to your thinking thought, <laughs> I, I was thinking um, that you might come back and say that it's that women need it in the workplace in order to be able to do well. Oh, well, yeah. When you talk about professional, <laughs> now you get me going. <laughs> oh. God, that was the biggest crock of nonsense that I heard one time. Yeah, you know, this, this thing that we see online and if it's on the internet, it's not true. So like, you know, it's not always true. So of course this podcast is the exception, uh, <laughs> but this thing that I keep seeing that women make better CEOs, mm -hmm. why is it a gender thing? Yeah. Why, why aren't we just embracing that humans have faults and, and greatness and that we're made up of all of these parts? And the more we communicate as individuals, the better we'll work yeah. at all levels. Yeah. I just, I'm kind of tired of the gender conversation. Yeah. I think it, what it does though, it takes, it almost, it almost um, takes permission, like it, it gives some people permission to sort of remove themselves from the responsibility of adopting or adapting to some of these requirements to be a better human, right? So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. 
We all just need to be better human and we all need to work on it on a daily basis. And if we all brought our best human into every experience, we'd have a lot better experiences. That's just my, <laughs> my philosophy. You could put that on a shirt. That's a t-shirt. That's, That's a mug. A That's a mug. <laughs> <laughs> We'd be making millions by the end of the <laughs> We'd be coming up with merchandise. <laughs> so, so with the life that you've lived and trust me, I, I, you, we are, we are, like humans, um, both hugged servers. I understand she grew up, I would never have thought you grew up in the infrastructure rooms or the data center floors. Overalls in the ceiling, putting down RJ45, category five. Like, yes, I was definitely- Never thought of, but in the ceiling, how long ago? It used to be in the floor. Or were you always in like top- Before the floor. Okay. (laughs) Oh, ceilings. Yeah, it was ceilings before the floor. That's right. That's right. You're right. It was you lift up, up the up. ceiling it and then you up, had... right, right. And all, the, all those all the wires were hanging down. Right. Yes. right. <laughs> and all so, that fiberglass falling on your hair, and you're like, I wonder what kind of chemicals I'm ingesting right now. <laughs> so, with the transitions that you've made throughout your life, your career, when when in your life have you needed courage? Oh God. Um, for every time I was sexually harassed in the office. Mm-hmm. Uh, for every time that I was told I'm not smart enough, um, for every uh, individual, whether it be in the office or in life, that thought bullying was the only way to get through. Mm. Um, but then realizing that the way that I could heal was to realize that they were in pain. And so mm. they can't control me if they haven't faced their demons yet. And so the tables turned on you don't own me. I can make this better, but you have to want to make yourself better too. And seeing that humanistic situation um, that exists in all relationships, whether professional or personal. Right. And now I understand why you say you wish you knew that when you were 20 years old. Oh God. That's when it hurts the most, right? Like we all have moments where our our innocence fades. Mm-hmm. And there's degrees of innocence right up until mm-hmm. the time we die, whatever age we are, we have, we shed innocence at different levels. Mm-hmm. And so when someone else takes it away from you, that hurts more than when yeah. you decide to shed it on your own. Yeah. Um, but those are all collective experiences that at the end of the day, I wouldn't change anything because I mm-hmm. wouldn't be here yeah. if I didn't manage it the way I managed it and figured out where my mentors are. Mentors are gold. Yeah. And, you know, that's why I love coaching students or postgrads because they don't know yet that they need to seek the mentors, the bright lights in every organization that they work in mm-hmm. to support them because it's not written on a pillar. It's not in a computer. It's not on your intranet. The, the, the language that you're seeking, the instruction, the guidance, it comes from the people that know. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because as you were, as I asked you that, you know, um, if I, when I brought you back to that comment about, you know, knowing this when you were 20, I was going to ask you, do you believe that 20 year old humans are better equipped now to not fall victim to that with all of the books and with all of the mentors and, and, you know, guidance and, or do you, or, or is the, is there still um, a death of, social media needed um, to help them now that they're more into their devices than we were? I think it's, I think it's almost the same or worse. Um, 
they are in tune because they get to see and read everything online, obviously. But even, you know, in my day where everything was in an encyclopedia or in a library, you still took in what you wanted to. You still chose what nuggets you were going to hold on to and which ones you were going to throw away. Um, and those are part of our internal biases and our internal, you know, passions. And, and, and so I think in, in all the times that I've spoken to students, there's still a lack of ownership on what's that step outside of conventional studies into real life and who's going to do it for me or how am I going to manage it or how am I going to do it on my own? There's still this gray zone of, you know, the leap from adulthood to adulthood. I don't know. It's it's really, really um, strange. And then, and it could be because back then we didn't talk about it as much, but there's a greater discussion around anxiety now. And it could be because for us, it was a taboo conversation in our day to really express anxiety or express that we're not doing so well. Whereas I see there's a heightened conversation today amongst younger people around feeling anxious. That could be really helpful and really healthy Mm -hmm. unless you're not resolving and finding the tools to support that, you know, in a healthy manner. Um, So I think, I think there's still a greater sense of care that needs to happen Mm-hmm. on postgraduate and trades people coming out of those educational s- institutions mm-hmm. into real life um, or, or the life they're going to lead yeah. um, and support them. But what it sounds like is that they are better positioned to get that support more so than we were. And there's permission that's given to saying, you don't, this is not taboo. This is not something you need to be ashamed of. This is something you need to express so that you can heal from. We didn't hear those. We didn't hear healing words when we were young. Yeah. It was like, suck it up, buttercup, move along. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? My parents are like, why are you crying? Stop crying. Stop crying. Stop crying. I'm not, you're not getting that tea. Stop crying. So, uh, so tell me, I'm looking forward to you answering this. What does it mean to you to be ridiculously human? Oh my goodness. I am ridiculously human. (laughs) (laughs) Say no more. I think that's it. I don't know. I like, I, I trying to find something that's not inappropriate. Um, She's not getting there. Do you <laughs> no. <laughs> wow. Um, no, like I, I'm humanistic on a daily basis. I, uh, in the office, especially, I want to bring everything to a level where humor is involved. So mm-hmm. when you say, you know, that, I just think, well, I say silly things all the time. Like my goal mm-hmm. is to make people laugh all the time. Like mm-hmm. um, I really don't want to work in an environment where it's always a structure of one thing. I, I want to learn mm-hmm. and be diverse and, and bring in so many different mm-hmm. things. And yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know how to yeah, answer. I love, so for me, <laughs> me, I, so for me being ridiculously human is to love unconditionally. That's for me because I recognize that that's the one thing that people really can't do very easily. Like if, if, well, if they've done that to me, I can't possibly love them right? And so to me, ridiculously human is where you love unconditionally because you realize everyone is going through a lived experience similar to what you said. We are, I think you're using your words, we are all living from our experiences, right? Mm -hmm. And I think if we can learn to hold better space for each other, 
Yeah. So, and so ridiculously human um, for me then is um, this need to want to pull people up out of the darkness. Mm. Like when I see people constantly going through a struggle over and over again, and and I just say, okay, stop. We need to talk about this. Like you can't continue like this. And as your friend, I can't let you continue this way. So how can I help you so that I don't feel like I'm just standing by watching it? So mm-hmm. this this constant need to get in the ugly mm-hmm. because Ooh. someone's hurting. There you go. That's ridiculously human. Yeah, that's ridiculously human because most people run away from the ugly. Oh, Lord, I'm I, I get ugly with ugly all the time. A lot of people see other people's ugly and say, mine doesn't look that bad anymore. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, let me dive into yours and let me help you come out of it. Love that. Well, that is ridiculously human. Especially when I see my friends being abused or, yeah. or mistreated. I just can't sleep with that. Yeah. You know, so I'm like, here's a couch. Um, here's a pathway, here's a plan. Um, just let's find it. Let's, let's get you on a different journey because this is not working. I love that. Thank you. So I'm getting into this section that I call rapid thrivers. So five quick questions for you. So when you think of someone who's thriving, who's empowered, who's the first person that comes to mind and why? One of my best friends, mm-hmm. um, you know, everyone, a lot of people would think about famous people, right? Or somebody they admire. I admire the people that have made critical changes in their life in most impossible situation. Mm-hmm. So single mom, uh, you know, with a lot to overcome, um, you know, working every day and raising her kids and doing her greatness the best she can. Like to me, that is just superpowers. Yeah. Love that. And we honor her with that. I love that. What is a daily activity that helps you with your thrive? Uh, I am not me unless I've been to the gym. Oh, okay. There you go. Mm-hmm. That is my, my sanity is working out, lifting weights and, and, and testing my limits with my body. Mm-hmm. Um, oftentimes breaking an injury. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm not me unless I've, I've stretched something in, in myself and, and reminded myself that I'm alive. I, I get that. I get that. What is a book that has helped you with your thrive? I think when I discovered uh, how I was connected to emotional intelligence and read Daniel Goleman's Emotional Intelligence um, 2.0 book, mm-hmm. it kind of solidified a lot for me that I wasn't necessarily connecting. Um, and so I didn't really know what to call it. And I didn't, and I didn't realize that somebody had written, you know, something so, so sort of guided in, in the early nineties. And it's still a book reference today mm-hmm. on what is emotional intelligence. Cause believe it or not, a lot of people can't define it mm-hmm. and they don't realize we use our emotions every day and we we read emotional data all the time mm-hmm. we, we're not in tune to it we just we do it subconsciously yeah um, so that's a really important book for me to kind of you know connect more with what it is my craft and 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 connect with ideas that can help others so i'm breaking the rhythm here how do you define emotional intelligence emotional intelligence is a set of emotional and um, social skills 
that we use to determine information, how we pass it on to others and how we relay and translate the information that others give to us mm -hmm. in order to build better relationships, manage change uh, and face adversity. So that emotional intelligence is this language into itself. Ooh, that's great. That's a great definition. You didn't bottle that? <laughs> Bottle that. That one. This one we bottling. Putting a stamp on that one. I called Aaron Leslie. Okay, <laughs> I got it. And now you're going to be my brand manager. <laughs> Bottle it and drink it. There you go. So, what is an app? I hope you. I don't know if you're digitally uh, connected on your phone that helps you with your thrive. Okay, so my former boss at CGI told me that my phone was like the, the oracle of my life because every time we had a conversation and somebody in the room didn't know something, it was in my phone in some app or some form. So yeah, I'm pretty connected. Um, the app that saves me, mm -hmm. uh, I, am, I would say it's um, messaging apps. Like, okay being able to SMS anybody at any time. I'm the fastest responder to a text. Oh, you are? Okay. So people think I actually don't sleep because I'm constantly responding to everyone's text messages. Okay. I, I prefer text, but it, it just allows me that easy way to communicate with people. And it just, mm -hmm. if I don't have to have a full conversation mm -hmm. on the phone, mm -hmm. I am just so much easier managing my life that way. Yeah. You get so, a lot yeah. done. I, I can get that. I'm not very good with uh, my time management on text, but I, uh, I have often days pass before I respond. So people know to call me if they need me, but I, I hashtag goals. And what is, one what is one misconception that people have of you as they see you in your thrive? Oh, gosh. Uh, to be honest, I would say I'm judged constantly for a uh, privileged white woman. Mm-hmm. And, and that I'm not going to take time to help anybody in any other format or focus. And a lot of what I do helps constantly diversion and inclusion. It's like 100% of what I do is, is around diversity and inclusion mm -hmm. and breaking down biases. I eat that stuff for breakfast. Mm -hmm. Like I love just talking about how biases happen and where they come from and how we can face them and change them. Um, and that kind of stuff just helps people understand how they're setting a fence between them and the rest of the world. I love that. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. And thank you for sharing that. So where can we find you online? Uh, every social media EQ footprints okay. and my website, eqfootprints.com. And where are you most often? Are you on LinkedIn? Are you in IG? Where do we? I am very much LinkedIn. Okay. Um, and very much Instagram. Mm -hmm. So those are my two main pieces okay. of, of reach out. And I'll share all of your links inside of your show notes. Do you have any, any appearances or anything coming up? Um, I just finished another podcast. So it's, it feels like podcasts are a part of my, my future and I need to jump on that bus. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> um, but actually, you know, I was just reflecting today on how, you know, uh, a year ago I did my last in-person uh, corporate keynote and it, and it feels like forever. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to see how I'm going to transform to my next, my next 2.0 version of, of exactly. you. Yeah. <laughs> We love so, it. Yeah, we to be honest, wait. just follow me on LinkedIn. That's where the most uh, of my, my golden nuggets come out. Awesome. And we will. And so 
so please, so this is a podcast, it's called Empowered in My Skin. My organization is called Empowered in My Skin. I founded it when I became Empowered in My Skin. What does being empowered in my skin mean to you? Uh, empowered in my skin means that um, I'm able to really look in the mirror and see all the things that I'm ashamed of, all the things that I'm great at, all the things that I want to be and all the things that I've been and give that gift to the world every day. That's and beautiful. so for me, that, that healing with who I am allows me to connect with who you are. I love that. And at the beginning, I asked you, what do you, you know, want to leave the listeners with? And I will tell you, like, listen, I hope everyone listen to this, to the many nuggets that we're providing here, especially about the pivot. And, and you mentioned, you know, once you release your voice, that is your, that is your next step, right? And both of us are encouraging everyone to find your voice and release mm -hmm. it. Yes. I love you. Oh, thank you. I love you too, Nikichi. I'm so honored to be here today. Yes, this is a special, this is a special interview. So to everyone that's listening, I know you're like, don't stop, but we have to stop. <laughs> and not only do we have to stop, but this is where I say, we're out. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Thank you. So there you have it. I hope you're thriving and thoroughly enjoyed this episode. And remember, whatever platform you are listening to this on, please subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast with someone else you think can benefit from the tips that were delivered. As Tom Billy says, when we help others think in a way that is empowering, that is the lead domino to create real change in this world. It's been awesome hanging with you. I'm your girl, and I'm out.